Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Today's guest is a gentleman by the name of Joe Cohen, who is none other than the CEO of a company called Self Decode. And some of you may have heard of Joe, you may be familiar with him from his previous company, which was Self Hacked, which was more of a blog about biohacking strategies, supplements, that kind of stuff. And he has since moved on from that project into this new project, which is all about genomics and AI genomics. And he has taken this on with the zest that only Joe can take and is turning it into a really impressive tool. It's an impressive tool, whether you're working by yourself, with a coach, with a medical doctor. Joe explains how they are multiple layers to this platform and how one of their big goals is about making this information as affordable and accessible to as many people as possible all while keeping your data safe and private. So I learned a lot in this episode. I think you probably will too. If you decide that this is something that interests you, whether you decide to run your data through self-decode or by yourself or with a coach or with your doctor, whatever the case may be, you can go to selfdecode.com and use discount code NAT10. That'll give you a 10% discount. If you're looking to connect with Joe himself, you can find him on Instagram, Mr. Biohacker. And other than that, all you got to do is sit back and enjoy. This is one of those episodes you may want to check out on YouTube because Joe at one point does share his screen and take us through a few of the features of the platform. So if you're interested in that, you'll want to watch the video. So enjoy the episode. Make sure that if you get value out of this episode, that you share it out with your friends, to your networks, to your family, leave us a review. This is what allows us to rise up in the rankings, reach more people and get more amazing guests. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you guys. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, just a little bit of housekeeping before we launch into the episode. Please remember that all of the information provided in these podcasts is for information purposes only. We are never offering treatments, cures, whatever, for any kind of disease or medical condition. Anything you hear about here is going to be intriguing. There's some research around it, but make sure that you check with your medical provider before you go off and um, do any of this stuff for yourself. All right. Enjoy the episode. And also, if you're looking looking to connect with me for any reason, with your comments, questions, whatever it may be, you can reach me through my website, which is natnidham.com, or you can find me on Facebook in the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Group, or on MeWe in the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Group. And of course, you can also follow me on Instagram, which is at Natalie Nidham. Natalie is with an H between the T and the a, the second day. So thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy the episode. Hey folks, just a quick word about a super exciting project I've got coming up this year for the very first time. I'll be co-hosting a five-day intensive retreat, a women's longevity and resilience retreat in beautiful Cabarete, Dominican Republic from March 25th to March 
30th. If you want to learn more about this, please go to my website, natnidham.com and click on the retreat tabs at the top of the page. Not only will you learn about your own genetics, but you'll also be learning about your own biological age. We'll be doing live blood cell analysis. We're going to be deep diving into all things biohacking, personalizing it for you. You'll get to have massages, go for hikes, go to the beach, sunrise walks, sunset walks, you name it. We've packed it all in. So to learn more, once again, go to natnidham.com and go to the retreats tab at the top of the page. Also keep an eye on my Instagram account. I'll be hosting some Instagram lives over the next few weeks so that you can get your questions answered live. That's it. That's all. And I just had to tell you about this really exciting development. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Hey, Joe, it's a pleasure to finally meet you in person. I have heard so much about you and spent so much time on your websites over the years. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, you're definitely a presence, I have to say, and um, very well respected. So you've done some really amazing work in the space. I guess one of the things we can start with a little bit, and you've probably told the story a lot of times, but you know, every podcast has its own audience. You, when you sent me your bio, one of the things that you said that really stood out to me is, you know, I thought you, that you'd won the lottery on bad genes. And I was just curious to know what that means. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about about your story and what brought you to do what you do today? Because you've done a couple of other really interesting things. Yeah, so uh, I'll go through it. I, I got into this as a lot of people in health to solve their own health issues. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I had health issues that doctors weren't able to properly deal with. They didn't have the right tools, the right know-how. And so I just kept on bouncing around, trying to understand, like, why am I tired? Why do I have brain fog? Why do I have gut issues? Why do I have sleep problems? And, and, and a whole host of issues, why do I have inflammation? And, uh, you know, it's clear to me that the current system was not going to give me the answers. Mm-hmm. So that's when I kind of uh, went into self-detective mode. And I said, okay, I have to, uh, like, figure out biology and how the body works. And, uh, you know, and critical part of that is genetics, lab tests, what are my symptoms, like just piece everything together. And so I started that, you know, I started that journey really in 2009 around. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of took a turn in 2011 and 2013 uh, 2012, uh, those years, my, my health took a turn for the worst. And, uh, that's when I started just to say, okay, I'm going to get into this full time. And, uh, I started, you know, looking at all my lab data, my genetics, and I was pretty early into this field. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I had to, there was a learning curve with everything I was doing and I was just spending all my time doing research. And, uh, that, that was the genesis of self-hacked where, uh, once I made a big improvement in my health, I was able to start something, right? And I initially started as just like a, a blog of my own research, just, you know, what, what I was finding. And, um, and then it turned into, hey, this is an important resource. People want more structured data. And so I started hiring scientists to write for me. And uh, I mean, I was doing consults for a long time. And I, I, I started understanding people and, and 
what was clear to me is that on an individual level, there's no tools to be able to use the data that I used to get healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, or either to figure out what's going on or to understand how to get better. Right. And so that was, you know, that was me going in deep into all these things. But then once I started helping other people, and I was obviously interested in genetics for myself and different tools for myself, but once you, once I started helping people, it even became more clear. It's we're missing. A lot of people are just missing the basics of, of, of they don't have their genetics. They don't have uh, their lab tests in order. It's just kind of like they don't really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like we needed proper tools in order to help people. People yeah. at that point, we had a lot of posts on self-hack and people weren't able to find what was relevant to them. People didn't know, they, they didn't understand like how to go about and solve their issues. And so they would, uh, you know, I think a lot of people just kind of go around in circles for a while yeah. and uh, they spend a lot of money and, you know, a lot of things don't help and uh, people are blind. And so I felt that as well. And, um, and so I felt like we needed to have the right tools to be able to service people who wanted to either practitioners or users to be able to take control of their health. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great idea. But so now 2009, that's going way back in genetics. Like they, we've come a long way in understanding genetics since then. And I think every minute of every hour of every day, somebody else is, is discovering another nugget of information. I mean, it's one thing I've studied genetics a fair bit myself, and it's definitely one of the things that I think keeps you real and keeps you humble is knowing that we think we know what we know today. And a lot of it could change tomorrow or even understanding, you know, the backup systems that the body may have in place that we don't even know about yet sometimes. And I think that's one of the really interesting things about genetics is, and I'm sure that, and I know you do this also is helping people to understand that just because you carry a certain genetic variant that we understand today might put you at a predisposition for X, Y, Z, or say that um, you don't process a certain nutrient appropriately the the body does have a lot of redundancies built into it. And there may be another pathway in there that we don't necessarily understand or know about yet. That's kind of picking up the slack sort of. So what was the state of information in 2009 when you started and how much have you seen it change since then? So I didn't get into genetics in 2009. Oh, you didn't. That was just your own self healing. Correct. I see. Yeah. That's when I said, I'm going to spend full time trying to understand you know, what's going on with me, how my body works, things like that. Um, when I got into genetics, it was around 2011, 2012. Yeah, still a while uh, ago, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, over 10 years ago. And I got it and I was not that impressed with what was out there, different tools. Um, and, you know, I mean, I wasn't didn't plan on doing anything on my own, but I just, you know, I was basically doing looking at studies, what does the SNP mean? What does that SNP mean? Uh, things like that. Um, I would say that the field has dramatically changed and my understanding of the field has also dramatically changed. And I think part of that is based on being in the industry and really mm-hmm. understanding what's going on. Because I think there's a lot of confusion amongst the public 
about this whole genetics thing. Yeah. And some of that I think is, again, so the understanding of the science community changes and the understanding, right? There's the science community's understanding. There's the individual understanding. There's companies. There's all different kinds of, uh, you know, uh, understandings. When I got into it, I was looking at individual SNPs and I was thinking, how can I, you know, what, what it was helping me understand my biochemistry. Mm-hmm. Now, that was a very long journey because I got to spend years reading various papers and my SNPs and things like that. Um, that's not like a journey you could really replicate, right? I, I, it was very clear that we needed good software to deal with this. And so I started developing a software in 2015 and then I went full, like I, I, I did it seriously in 2016. Um, and that's when I was also developing self-hacked at the same time. But it was very clear to me at that stage that self-hacked was limited by the lack of precision. Self-hacked was, is, is like an encyclopedia of health information that yeah. uh, is written in, in a, a lay friendly way, right? Yeah. But it was very clear that that's not the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we started doing on supplements, lab tests, genetics. We started posting on all these topics from, from an early time. Uh, you, you know, genetics post from 2014 already, uh, even 2013. So I, was, I, I already started to transfer to speak about these things a little. And so 2016 and 2017, I started trying to put together a team um, of the right people. And we built a product in, it, it was in, uh, we built products in 2017. And then I hired a, uh, you know, a good geneticist and, uh, you know, someone who was very good at the, you know, uh, I, I thought was very good at the science. And, um, uh, and he basically designed a new system. And I said, I want the best science out there. And we looked at the competing reports and what, what not, whatnot. And, and so we said, let's give like all the best SNPs. Let's do like as legit a product as we can. Each report had around up to a hundred SNPs, which was, uh, you know, uh, a lot uh, compared to what other people were providing one or two SNPs. And uh, we really had like a, a system. We had recommendations and there's a lot of good things there. A lot of good information. And, and, and I think that the, you know, uh, some degree it was helpful. But when we did that, we kind of looked at what we did and said, what, what are the, you know, uh, uh, there was two, there was a few things. Number one is I kept, um, I, you know, I looked, I, I was, I kept looking for somebody who uh, could really run a science team. Well, I had a geneticist that kind of, you know, um, he, you know, he was a geneticist, but not really a great manager or anything like that. So I was really searching for the right team. And, and finally, I found the chief science officer. Um, and I, I, you know, throughout that journey, I always said, hey, we need to make sure that everything we're doing is scientific. And all the scientists were like, yeah, of course, it's scientific. And, um, and so, but as, the, as I was recruiting you know, more and more people. And I was looking for the best people in the industry to be able to, you know, build the best products. Um, I found, a, you know, a, a, a scientist who basically came in and he said, look, there's the, the latest genetic science that has just come out. It's 2018, 2019. Um, the way you're doing things is not future proof. 
and he explained why. He said, there's very few people who really understand this because it's a very specific field. It's, it's like a, it, it's not just medical genetics or anything like that. It's, it's a very specific field. And so he basically explained like you have to do X, like all these things to really do it right. And it's a huge project. So which, so, so which things, we, sorry, which things did he, does he feel needs to be done in order for this to, to actually be useful? Because clearly this is a point of differentiation between what you do and what many of the other companies. And, you know, there's like a new company doing genetics every 10 minutes out there. So. Correct. Correct. So, yeah, it's not, I, I mean, we don't, you know, it's not exactly about what we're doing. We're doing what basically where the, you know, I, I said, okay, this is what we're doing is not legitimate enough for it's not up to date enough based on what the scientists have created and they were good scientists um that, that's what he, it's not using the, the most updated methods uh and, and 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 i'm explaining this you know this is what we we set out to build but also to so that people understand what goes into like what are the different models here what are mm-hmm. what are different people using Basically, what he said is, uh, you know, the, what, what the research came out in 2019, 2018 is that when you look at these specific variants that pass some, you know, they, they pass rigorous studies and there's a very significant impact or whatever. But when you add those up, it's actually not that significant. Right. And the reason is because it turns out there's, a, there's millions of variants that contribute to each trait. Yeah. And. If you just look at a, a select group that that you that, that that scientists will curate, it's not a it doesn't improve it's it's it it doesn't allow you to use AI and machine learning in order to look at millions of variants and be able to have a much better predictive model. Um, and then he also said you cannot make recommendations based on genetics mm-hmm. because there it's just not valid enough. We're not there. Or not um, genetics alone, anyway. Not sure. genetics alone, exactly. Yeah, no, I tell and my so, clients that all the time, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't at all had to do with genetics, then what are we doing, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not alone genetics, right? Uh, that, that's an important part. So we built out, we started to build up the system that was, you know, uh, that was legitimate. Uh, and and we completed that in, you know, 2021, beginning of 2021, we've been building more and more reports on those topics. I'll explain what, what some of the differences are. Number one is, you know, so the way that it, genetics was done previously and currently by almost all companies is they're using specific variants, like I mentioned. Yeah. That yeah, has to like, be moved to, yeah, yeah, that has to be moved to a big data model because mm-hmm. you're not going to just be able to look at specific variants and say, this is what's going on, right? Yeah. You have to look at, a lot of data. And when you're looking at a million data points, you have to use software. Yeah. There's just, you have to use AI machine learning and you have to design the platform so that it automatically updates as this, you know, as new studies come out and as uh, is more better methods come out, mm-hmm. uh, more data comes out. So there's, there keeps on being more data. The more data you have, the better your prediction models become but not if you're using specific variants, right? Yeah. Just yeah. If, you, if you're using a big data approach. So that's one thing we built out. And then, you know, but to build that out properly is quite expensive. I'll, I'll tell you why, uh, you know, what, what goes into it. Like, what are all the different aspects? First, you have to process a file in the right way. 
Mm-hmm. And it's not just taking specific variants from a file. Every file, you have to do what's called imputation. Imputation is this process where you predict variants based on existing variants that an individual has. So people tend to inherit variants together. What that means is, is that if you, if you genotype 700,000 variants, you can actually predict with a pretty high degree of accuracy all of your variants, 300 million SNPs, all of your uh, single nucleotide polymorphisms, which is 300 million. And what that means is, is that there's 300 million variants that have been identified, single variants uh, that have been identified as being different from one person to another. Now, most of them are rare. And so, uh, but there's, you know, about, you know, 10 million that are, that are quite common. But the first part is you have to impute all these variants. So when you're saying you have to predict variants, like you're predicting other, var- other variants of other SNPs that you're not directly measuring? Correct. And what's the value of that? Like, do we know what these other SNPs do? So some of them, a lot of them we don't. Yeah. Um, but when you have an AI machine learning, it's mm-hmm. able to take stuff that you don't know and uh, and basically figure out that there's, you know, hey, there's this pattern between people with these group of genes and this condition or this health issue. Okay. Right? And so, and, and it allows us to figure out what are variants that are having a bigger impact. Um, and, uh, you know, and some of that, research is being used, let's say by 23andMe, for example, to find drugs. Because if you can look at the variants and see, okay, these are going to have an impact, you could try to find drug targets and things like that. So it is used by the pharmaceutical industry quite a bit now in order to find drug targets. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is, is, and you could also do whole genome sequencing. The vast majority of tests that people do now are genotyping. So they're looking at a variety of important variants that have been selected. But where that breaks down is that you're looking at 700,000. You really need to be looking at all the variants and trying to, you know, and using big data to see, to come up, you know, to see what are, you know, it's, when you have a big data approach, it can be giving very small increases of risk to a whole bunch of variants that might not pass a certain kind of level of certain kind of threshold, but each individual variant could contribute a small amount. And, and, the, and so are you using the AI? Is it so the AI modeling that you're, you're using, does that information now go down to each specific person? Or are you just using that to learn so that down the road, you'll be able to come back to someone and say, look, here's what we've learned from people who carry whatever variant, this variant, we've learned from this giant data set that we have that people who carry this variant, this variant, this variant are likely to X. Is that the goal? That's a very smart question. And and based on that question, I can tell that you're quite smart. Um, But yeah, it's, 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 it's on the individual level. So it's, it could be used for both on the individual level and also uh, population level and things like that. And, and, we use it obviously on the individual level, um, but the same technology can it, it can be used in different ways. Mm-hmm. 
And so when you when you learn it on an indi- but you're not you're not saying to someone because I mean based on what I've learned in genetics is I mean we we get a genetic report for someone it tells us let's say that they're at a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes or you know they carry a certain number and I would say that any of the genetic companies that are worth their salt right now and that's not all of them by any stretch of the imagination is using AI to some degree because I think I think people should know by now, hopefully, that a, that a single SNP, the report on a single SNP without looking at its environment of other SNPs around it is almost pointless. Like it, it the body Correct. just doesn't Correct. work that way. It just doesn't That's work. That's exactly, that is exactly what I'm saying. I yeah. did not realize that until, uh, first of all, uh, you know, I mean, I didn't realize how many variants were impacting until, I really spoke to some top scientists and I brought on someone who really understands it. But uh, now you might be surprised to learn that companies are not doing that. And it's very easy for me who runs one uh, genetics company to see if companies are doing that because I know exactly what talent you need in order to do that correctly. Mm -hmm. And so I just look on LinkedIn who works at this company. They don't have the talent. So there's nobody that has the talent direct consumer that is actually doing that stuff, uh, except us and 23andMe. Um, you know, just to be like 23andMe does, the, the difference is they're not, they're, they're not doing a lot of reports uh, in, in the sense of like, they're not giving recommendations. It's a very different platform, 23andMe. Uh, but if you use their ancestry, you, you'll notice that it's pretty accurate, right? Um, not in my case. I, no, it wasn't in your case. Okay, I don't How think so. Unless that? I've got my ancestry very, very, very misunderstood. Um, it has me being like 90% Italian. There is no Italian in my world. How long and ago I, did you get that? A couple of years ago. Okay, interesting. I mean, they, I mean, for mine, they pegged me uh, pretty much 100%. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I can't say that everything that they've done is, is maybe they made some mistakes, maybe it was a mistake in your case. But what I'd say is they do have the talent to do it right. Um, they didn't do it right in the beginning. I don't know exactly. They're not doing the most up-to-date methods just because that they built the products a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you know, and, and the methods have changed. But they have the talent to be able to do it correctly. That's all I can say, right? It's right. hard to... They are doing things legitimately. Um, I can't say, you know, but it, it's a very different product. I, I think you people use 23andMe and they're like, you know, eh, what, this is not really telling me much about my health or anything. Useful. Well, that's not what it's, uh, to your point, that's not what it's designed to do. I mean, 23andMe has almost become a data collection company more than anything. It is not a great direct-to-consumer company. And, um, you know, I, I, again, like, um, I think there's a couple of, I, I, I would argue there might be one or two companies out there that are not direct to consumer um, that are doing a reasonable job, or at least are in the sphere of what you're doing. Um, but the, but uh, in yeah, the direct to consumer yeah. world, I agree. And I, and I think the direct to consumer tests quite often just confuse people uh, or causes them a lot of anxiety. Correct. Uh, so I would I would say that uh, I, I mentioned in the direct consumer world, right? So there yeah. are certain companies doing it uh, very specifically, not a mm-hmm. lot, but there are certain companies doing yeah. it in, in a correct way. 
and they're not doing it direct consumer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're doing it more for specific diseases usually. Um, and, and so, but, but, in, but, and, and, and again, I don't want to, I, I didn't mean to imply that I would use 23andMe, right? So there's problems. Uh, I don't think they're giving, you know, good health reports or um, I don't, you know, they're not giving any recommendations and you're right. Their business model is based on selling your data. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty clear to everybody. That's not a secret, right? <laughs> not anymore. I think at the beginning it was a surprise and I think now the, the cat's out of the bag. So, so the good news is people that choose to run their data through 23andMe at least understand that, um, that they're taking part in a, in a greater project as it were. And Correct. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're helping, you know, and, and uh, their business models collect as much data and try to use that to discover drugs. Right. Um, you know, it's a, it's a different business model than what we're doing. But yeah, I mean, um, it, you, yeah, our business model doesn't, is completely different, right? It's not getting the data, selling it, discovering drugs. Um, we, we Obviously, we're not, you know, we're not selling anyone's data. It's, it's just, uh, we're no, using it to generate. That's pretty verboten. So, so let's get to, let's get into some of the things that people can learn from running their data with you guys with self decode and let's help them to understand a little bit of what they're getting. Right. So, you know, if somebody gets told, like, what is it that people are being told? Are they being told you have a genetic risk? Here's what you can do about it. Or you need to go look at these other metrics in your health data to assess whether or not this is an issue for you. Like to what degree do you take this whole how you tell people what to do. Yeah, so it starts, we have these comprehensive reports on each topic. And yeah. it starts with, here's a genetic predisposition. Here's where you fall in the percentile of genetic predisposition. And if you're like me, let's say in your 99% gut inflammation or IBD, which is what my report has, um, and, and I've had IBD in the past. So uh, you know, it, it's, it's, there's obviously a, a strong genetic predisposition and, it's, you know, and, and it has expressed in the past when my lifestyle was a certain way. Now, just giving recommendations, just giving predictions, but not, uh, you know, likelihoods, it's a probabilistic, these are probabilistic models, mm-hmm. uh, without the recommendations doesn't really do that great of a service to people. So every report has a list of 15 to 30 recommendations. And the, uh, uh, the recommendations are uh, basically, uh, you know, um, they're, they're, they're from the top to bottom based on impact and evidence. We have some algorithm that puts these recommendations top to bottom based on evidence. Now, we also show, currently we show the top five to seven recommendations, but we're gonna very, very soon be showing all the recommendations to everybody so that they can see top to bottom you know, keep on going down that list and see what they want to do. Um, but yeah, essentially, uh, and, and, and part of the ranking mechanism uses specific, uses genes and specific variants to see, okay, based on these variants, this is going to have a slightly more of an impact view, and therefore the recommendations could change. Oh, interesting. Right, okay. So two yeah. people who get told that they have a higher predisposition to develop type two diabetes, I'm going to hammer that nail until it's dead only because people kind of understand that one, right? Might get different recommendations. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the top five are not going to change drastically because 
let's say for type two diabetes, right? It's very clear that exercise is going to be in the top five based on the impact, right? And, you know, some people might be a little more of an impact. Some people might be a little less, but it's whether it's number one or three or five, it's going to be in the top five just because it has a really big impact. So that's kind of how we do things is that nobody's recommendations are the same, but there are certain recommendations that, you know, there's no way about it. It's just, if it's going to have a very big impact and there's good evidence for it, then we just are going to show it higher up. But, you know, that's kind of also why we want, why we're showing all the recommendations so that uh, an individual can see that, hey, I already exercise, I already do this, I already do that. They can keep on going down the list from top to bottom mm-hmm. and see what are all the recommendations that, that you know, make sense from them from one to 20 or 30. Right. And so does your, does your system also take into account, let's say, you know, in terms of type two diabetes, which is very aligned with insulin resistance, and then looking at how people do with, let's say, high fat intake. Some people do quite well with a high fat diet. Other people won't. Some people, it may actually drive insulin resistance, which as a result may drive their risk even higher of developing the type two diabetes. Like, do you have that kind of linkage built into your model as well? Correct. Exactly. So if there are specific variants that show that somebody is going to do worse on something or better on something, that will change the impact to the individual, and that will change the place in where that uh, recommendation shows up. Nice, I like that. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's that's really where it's at, right? And so, do you offer in your service? Is there any way for people to talk to anybody? Like, do you do you have people that you work with, or do you are you able to point people towards? other, whether it's coaches or practitioners or someone who can, because, you know, one thing I've, I've kind of learned, and this is from running a fairly large Facebook community. And, you know, as much as we give people a lot of information at the end of the day, most people don't have the mindset or the wherewithal or the time, let's say, or maybe the confidence to kind of take all this information and, and turn it into something real for themselves. And, you know, even and as much as the, the quality of the information you're giving is so much is so great to help people to apply it and to take it to the next level is kind of the next it's the next step. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what we have is can be seen as a decision support system, meaning, you know, you're not getting uh, anything 100 percent. Here's a diagnosis. Here's this. You're seeing, OK, here's my genetic predisposition. Here's, you could also upload labs. You could see what are the risks that you have from labs. And then you have recommendations, but, you know, it is helpful if somebody doesn't, you know, it is helpful to have somebody who, you know, is whether, you know, there's a coaching aspect to it, right? So mm-hmm. the uh, coaches can be helpful. Uh, and then there's also somebody who can help guide people based on a somewhat complex field. And so, so there is a need for that. I, I think there's definitely a strong need for that. And that's why on our platform, we have the ability for people to do that is to basically coaches to have clients on the platform to help them out. I see. We, we don't, we have a place where people can, you know, it's not something we um, really market that much because it's, it's not our main business model is to deal with coaches. Not yet. I mean, I mean, when I say 
we want to introduce like a platform for people to find coaches and, you know, basically to connect coaches and individuals because we think of that, that is a valuable service. Uh, but we don't have that right now, but um, uh, as a general rule, I think it could be useful. Right. And even if you go to the gym, I mean, you could go to the gym and pick up weights and you'll do fine probably. Um, but we also know that a lot of people have trainers, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. I'll always do better with a trainer for sure. Yeah. I mean, they teach you, okay, you know, don't do it this specific way. They motivate you. And so there's a few aspects. They keep you on track and they're also making sure you don't do stupid things, um, you know, uh, stupid to them, but not maybe to a non-expert. Right. And so uh, that's kind of where a coach could come in is like, you know, making sure guiding an individual, making sure they don't do like get hysterical about some things or, uh, you know, or, or, or implement some recommendations that may not be ideal for some other thing that is going on with their life. You know, you got to look, having like a broader understanding mm-hmm. can help. Um, and then also to motivate people and, and help them implement that. Hey folks, a uh, quick interruption to the episode to thank our sponsor, Drink HW, who make rejuvenation tablets, which deliver 10 parts per million in 500 milliliters of water of hydrogen to your cells. That's the highest concentration of hydrogen of any other brand. I personally choose this product because this company invests in research. As a matter of fact, to date, they've invested in over 13 human clinical trials with more coming. So what are the benefits of hydrogen? Enhanced alertness, reduction in liver fat, improved aerobic fitness, improved muscle recovery. There was even a study on metabolic health that revealed that drink HRW tablets improved 18 of 20 metabolic markers. I personally use it first thing in the morning, and I will often use it at three o'clock in the afternoon as a little pick-me-up. So if you want to give this stuff a try, just go to drinkhrw.com forward slash superhuman, use discount code longevity to save 15% on your purchase. And now let's get back to the episode. So, I mean, we were talking before the podcast and you said you were talking about, you know, there's what I'd like people to walk away from here is understanding at the very least, whether they use my platform or not, you know, what should they be looking out for in genetic tests? When somebody says, I've got this great genetic test, you need to, you know, that that'll be the thing for you. What are the danger signs that they should be looking out for? And what are the things that, you know, what are the hallmarks of what you would think a company is a company that's, that's doing a reasonable job at, at what they're doing from what yeah, you know. Yeah. So num- number one is if you are going to trust the risk score, you have to make sure that the company has the right personnel to do it, which is very specific personnel. Like I said, now you could use a platform without trusting the predictions, right? That's, you know, that's uh, a little risky. I, I think, yeah, I mean, but you know, it's, yeah, I, I mean, but I would say that there's, there's a lot of things that need to be done. The, the file needs to be processed in the right way. It needs to be imputed. There needs to be deep ancestry on it. There needs to be a big data approach. So, you know, and, and, and we're also publishing on our methods um, in, in how we're doing these things to, so that, that, you know, it, we're, we're proving that this is, you know, this is legitimate. Now, I think so. That, that's number one. If you want to trust the methods, I would say uh, look into what companies are doing. And, and part of the way that we're trying, you know, our goal obviously is to have as big of an impact as possible. And one of the things that we've done is we said, 
you know, there's a new genetics company coming out every day, right? Yeah. <laughs> and every day we see that these new genetics companies are not using the best methods. And so what we've decided was we're not going to hog what we've done. We're going to offer it for, you know, a, you know, affordable price to other companies to integrate it into their platforms. I think when you have, uh, so that's kind of the service that we're offering to other companies say, Hey, you don't need to be doing this uh, in, in an outdated way. Why don't you use our platform that's already built out? Nice. And, and, and you know, so that, that, that it kind of, you don't have to deal with that. And then I think after that, there's companies could do a whole bunch of things that uh, they use the data with, right? I think you want to use it in a way and then you want to go deeper on certain issues, whether it's type 2 di- diabetes, like you mentioned, it could be, you know, you got the basics, the score, you have recommendations, you've got content there, but you could go a lot deeper and say, hey, okay, tell us about the medications you're taking or tell us about what you're doing, your diet, and then we can bring you on this journey to, you know, make it better, right? We're not going deep on any particular topic and saying, here's a type two diabetes journey, right? right. It's more of a, a broad-based platform that, you know, is trying to do it on a, a more big scale. But, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's, you, so there's, there is room for that. There's room for coaches, there's room for other, you know, companies to do go deeper and, and, you know, lead people on a journey or, um, or, you know, and so I think there's, I, I don't think that, you know, just there's, I think educating is a big part of making people change. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it's huge. How you educate is very important, right? There's a basic education and then there's, you know, going deeper in certain areas, having a coach, things like that. And so I don't think that, you know, um, other companies in this space are just a complete waste. I think if they're using the right science and they're going deep on certain topics and they're educating properly and they're giving people good information, I think that is, that is definitely a value add. We're, we're just trying to use, uh, support other companies as well with the basic infrastructure so they don't have to, so that they can do it correctly. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so you're operating at different levels, really. You're doing your direct to consumer business, but you're also offering a a service to other companies that want to get into the space where they can use what you've developed and almost like a, like a white label kind of deal. Correct. Correct. Exactly. And also to health coaches who want to get in and and use it in their practice. So, there's, there's three different models that we have. There's the direct consumer. There's the practitioner and, and uh, model where, you know, people have clients and they can upload and, and uh, do a whole bunch of things with lab tests and genetics for their patients. They could see what's the highest risk here. Uh, and then they can help their patient uh, in various ways. Um, and so there's, uh, and, and for me, for example, I, you know, after like when I come on my dashboard, it tells me what are the main things that, what are my highest risks? It's just cardiovascular, brain, inflammation, and gut, right? That's enough. (laughs) Yeah. And I'd say that looking at my history, which is pretty public, it's pretty damn accurate. Like all of the ones related to brain were quite accurate. The ones that were related to, there was, there was, there was a couple related to cardiovascular, but a lot of the cardiovascular risk came from my lab tests. 
Mm-hmm. And um, and my family is high risk for cardiovascular disease. I know that. Right. right. So, so there's often find, something to that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I find that for me, it was quite, uh, and then I get recommend, I got good recommendations from it. Uh, now I'm quite a, an advanced user. So, you know, even though I, I knew a lot of stuff already, obviously, and, and, uh, and I tried a lot of stuff, and, but even so it was still able to help me. And I find that I keep going back to it and learning more every time, um, you know, every time I go back to it. So are you finding that people get better data and better results? Because I've been in there, but I'm going to admit I didn't spend a lot of time in my own dashboard. And I don't think I've uploaded any labs yet because I just haven't had labs done in a couple of months. And, you know, the thing with labs is they're a moment in time. So loading in your labs from a year ago and looking at them today is not necessarily going to be that helpful. However, and, and again, I'm going to ask this of the platform, does the platform track labs over time? Because it's where the real value of labs is, well, there's two. One is if you've got something crazy going on right at this minute that needs to be dealt with. But the other value of labs really is looking at them over time and looking at trends, right? So someone who has, again, beating that poor nail down into the ground now, <laughs> who has that high risk of type 2 diabetes, watching that their HbA1c no matter what they is just creeping up over the years and this and I see this a lot on people's labs like they were they were quite low seven years ago and every year it goes up and like the tiniest little increments right so does the platform um, because you know you're we're starting to cross into a world where you're almost, giving medical advice, which I'm sure is a line that you're very aware of and not crossing. I mean, even as a coach, I have to be super careful. I don't cross those lines. So I've probably asked you three questions in that little rant there, but <laughs> <laughs> do you need me to read? So yes, number yeah. one is uh, one, number one is we're tracking the labs. I, I could over time. You, do people, do people see, uh, could people see my screen if I share? My- um, let me, let me let you share. And then for people who are watching this video, they can, um, they can see your screen. You're, you're okay. good to go. So it, it would be a little more helpful just to, for show sure. No, I think that's really helpful. Example. Yeah. Yeah. Just for a few minutes. So, um, if you could see, uh, there's, you see cardiovascular yep. is here. And yep. it says seven lab risks and two genetic risks. Uh, brain is here. You, you can see seven genetic risks. Yeah. And, and uh, there's no, you know, there's no labs really for brain. There's no really good labs. It's mainly, uh, you know, it's genetic type thing. Well, but um, what about things like QEEGs or anything? You wouldn't, you're not right now, you're not taking that in or is that still so new we're that not it's taking not quite? It in and we're not taking it in and I haven't done it myself. Uh, so it's not going to show up here, right? You know, no, no labs, right? Uh, there are some labs, but I, I don't think I uploaded any of them, right? So uh, our platform allows people to buy labs, and so uh, you could go and get some, but I, I haven't uploaded any. And is that but international say, or just in the states? International. So okay. you can see here that uh, let's say cardiovascular, yeah, two genetic risks, but there's seven lab-based risks. Right? Okay. And. If I click on, let's say LDL cholesterol is, you know, and it's basically giving it based on the top high, you know, most out of range, but let's say, you know, LDL cholesterol, if, you, if I click on this, it brings me here, right? Yeah. Oh, so it shows and you, you over see, time. Okay. Correct. That's really interesting. And this is, the green is the optimal range. You can see optimal. So 
and then high, right? Very and so cool. you could see how you're doing over time. And then there's a lot of content and there's recommendations for the labs. And so you could see, and all the uh, content is written on eighth grade level. So it's not too complex. So when yeah. you're looking at the... Um at the ranges, let's say for LDL for cholesterol and cholesterol is a really good example because this is such a contentious topic. <laughs> what is normal? What is optimal? Are you using, what, what parameters are you using? Are you using more conventional medicine parameters or are you using more of a- We're using what the science med- says. Okay. We're using, we're, we have a team of researchers that are just looking at the papers. They don't have any dogma about- So there's no functional- biases, yeah. They, they don't, we don't care about functional, conventional. We care about what is, what's in the scientific literature. <laughs> so okay. we want to know, right? I mean, yeah. you have to have a standard, right? I mean, we can't do hypothesis driven approaches where it's like, oh, this is our hypothesis. We have to use a standard and that's based on what is in the scientific literature. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess if on a function where the functional world is a little bit is maybe they're also applying a different lens to it in terms of what they've clinically observed. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a whole different, sure. but it, I mean, and not to say that functional is not based on papers. I actually think it is. And maybe the functional, and maybe you guys are doing this anyway is you're looking at the more recent literature, whereas a lot of the conventional dogma is based on older research and hasn't necessarily kept Correct. up with the Correct. times. Correct. You know, if we not say everything that, that's, yeah. not everything that's conventional is going to be a lot of things that are conventional are not going to be correct. It takes a long time for the system to move. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, we don't, I, I don't really have any, uh, I can't change what the science team does. Uh, you know, if I do my, you know, it's like, if I have, oh, I, I don't necessarily personally agree with this. It doesn't matter. This is what the, the you know, this okay. is what the science says. I, it, you know, it's just, I, I don't have any inputs for the recommendations for nothing. I, I don't okay. have any, I can't say I like this for uh, gut health. Uh, yeah, but we don't have the proper evidence to, uh, th- there's no published studies that that's clinically, uh, no published clinical trials that show that that. Okay. And so I'm not saying, and you could say that that's a gap that, that could be filled by either coaches or practitioners or other companies that have, yeah. you know, a hypothesis driven approach that could be on top of what they're doing, right? On top of what, what we're doing here. Well, you know, I think that what's the most important thing is transparency, right? If you are, and I think you're very transparent from the sounds of it, if you're fully transparent about what your parameters are, what it is you're looking at, what your things are based on, at that point, it allows people who are using the platform to know, go in, know that. And then if they have their own bias or whatever the case may be that they're coming to it with, they can apply that over top of what you're presenting them. But but and say if you guys are listening to this podcast, this is one where you might want to go to YouTube because we're, we're looking at Joe's screen here and looking at his results. And so you'll be able to see what, what, um, what we're seeing, which is a pretty robust back end. I mean, if, you know, you're just screening up and down here, but if we, you know, what's also interesting here is we've got a supra optimal level and an optimal level. So there's high, critically high, super optimal and optimal. So at least you're also giving people ranges. You're showing where they are on that range. So let's say I don't agree with where the optimal level is. 
I can look at where that number is and say, okay, well, I'm comfortable here, even though your platform Correct. say Correct. that's not where I should be. And then you could look at the studies too that we're, you know, that, that uh, yeah. we're citing, right? Yeah. You could say, hey, let me check out these studies. And you could see here, what can increase LDL cholesterol? Um, and, and you can look at the studies. And again, we have a team of scientists doing that, looking at the studies. But, you know, again, it's, it's something that you could decide for your patient that, hey, um, there's benefits to having higher LDL cholesterol, right? Yeah, I, I mean, for my sure. Opinion, I, yeah. I think that, but that's where kind of like a health coach comes in and says, you know what, for you, you're dealing with autoimmune issues more. I don't think it makes a difference. Like, this is not something you need to worry about. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of where I think like practitioners could come in or a specific platform that's really focused on that. Um, but yeah, so like, let's say if I look at gut inflammation. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask know, to look at that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, you see, wow. I'm in the 99th percentile, like I mentioned, and this is based on a model of IBD and we call it, you know, it's based, but we call it gut inflammation uh, because that's really what IBD is. Um, sure. and, uh, it says how many variants we looked at. And so every report has a different number of variants. For example, if we look at the chronic pain one, it's 622,000 variants, wow. uh, and the gut inflammation has 43,000 variants in there. Uh, these are the numbers, the amount of variants we looked at to come up with a percentile. And, you know, and, and so you see in my case, it's high. We have recommendate. We have information there. Uh, just what do these things mean? And then there's recommendations. Uh, like I said, between 15 and 30. Uh, and the new designs are going to actually show a lot of people to look at all of them, right? But these are basically ranked from highest impact to lowest. And so each impact level has a specific formula that we use. You know, if it has many, many high quality meta analyses. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and this evidence looks really good, it would be a five. So um, this reminds me a bit of examine.com, right? It, they, do this, they, do a, they do a very similar thing with the research where they'll list, you know, all of, I don't know, I can't remember, like, let's say you're looking at inflammation and they're looking at curcumin and they're looking at a bunch of different supplements and they will rank the, the available research as they found it based on the results, based on the quality of the studies, based on the number of the studies, and then they rank those supplements based on that. It looks like you're doing Correct. a very similar So thing. you could say, yes, we are. I mean, you know, you could also say the quality of, of the team is what will have an impact here. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, I, I can't say what examines team is like exactly. What I can say is that, you know, we have PhDs and MDs looking at the papers and making, you know, following guidelines and coming up with these scores. Uh, so, but you could say that it's something similar to what Examine is doing. Impact evidence. The difference, yeah. of course, is the impact changes according to someone's genetics, right? Right. And right. then, so it's, kind of, it's a hybrid, you could say, between Examine plus, you know, this genetics, precision health. And for, if you want to see, let's say, smoking, right? I mean, it's pretty clear, you know, smoking is not healthy, but, and you could see, for example, people who currently smoke have a uh, 76% higher risk of developing Crohn's. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, interesting love enough, this may not be the case for all sort of colitis. Yeah, that is interesting. It's, actually. It's, yeah. It's, it's causing gut inflammation nonetheless. And 
Um, and, and, and by the way, that could be the case because nicotine might actually be good for uh, certain kinds of gut inflammation, but mm-hmm. overall smoking is not good. And then it shows that I have specific genes that make me more likely to develop Crohn's if I'm, if I'm exposed to that. And yeah. so there's two of these genes here that say, you know, smokers with my gene variant are maybe at greater risk for Crohn's. And uh, that's kind of how this is going up in impact even. Yeah, right? no, and that's, you know, it's really interesting because smoking is an interesting one because we've all heard of or may even know of people who are smokers I mean, not that there's very many of them left, but let's just say we know of people who are smokers who have lived into their 80s and their 90s. And Correct. somehow they're like, I mean, I don't know, they're like freaking cockroaches, man, that you just can't. <laughs> and, and actually, you know what? It's funny. I, I know someone who refers very respectfully and lovingly to his grandmother as a cockroach because <laughs> she's in her 90s. She's been smoking right. a pack a day or more for her as long as anybody can remember. And somehow, and it's got to be living somewhere, like it's got to be buried in her genetic code that somehow her body is so good at clearing toxins and dealing with certain things that it hasn't taken her out like it would 90% of the rest of the population. Correct. And, And so you see other recommendations like iron over here, right? And, and, and you could see one out of three people with IBD may not be getting enough iron. And yep. I have a specific gene variant linked with lower iron to so begin with look at my case yeah, yeah i've always had low iron by the way um especially with the gut inflammation sure then what i had to do is i changed my diet and i lowered the gut inflammation my iron levels have gone up to a healthy level nice and so and and by also you know changing the diet i've been eating a lot more meat and and things like that and so you kind of see that you know and then you can take a test and see how your iron levels are actually and you could track it with the system. But the idea is, is that uh, what we're offering is a platform that individuals can look at with the practitioners, they can look at on their own, and, and also to other companies who want to build on top of this and say, hey, yeah. we want to take this deeper with this specific topic. Yeah, no, it's very robust. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed. I want to spend more time in it, but definitely, which I should have done by now, but it's been a busy couple of months. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Um, but anyway, but that was, that was great. Thanks, Joe. Like that's, that's really helpful. And I do think, um, that you're building and have built something that is really, I think you make a real difference for people and probably already has. I mean, clearly it's made a big difference for you. And, you know, it's funny when you start from yourself and build out from there, right. It's, it's, um, there's a lot to be said for, for the value. I mean, I guess in some ways it's just the, the motivation and the, and the impetus that, that you put into it. It's, it's so personal and it's almost like you have this firsthand experience. So you're going to look at it in a way that, well, how's this really going to change things for me and therefore for other people. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's that, that is the goal of what we're trying to do. We're trying to uh, and, and also try to make it cheaper because, you yeah. know, I think it's just, you know, healthcare is, and, and genetics is just, a, it's, a, it's quite unaffordable right now. And we're trying to make it affordable for the masses so that, um, you know, other companies can start integrating these things. Um, I think that my prediction is that this, this is going to start taking off in a big way. 
Yeah. Um, I think it's been, you know, it, it's been taking off in some way or another for 20 years, but I think it's been slow because mm-hmm. it's proved to be a lot harder to actually implement and, and uh, you know, come up with a useful tool in order to provide pre- precision health recommendations, right? Um, and, but, but we're trying to, you know, our goal is to make it so that people have these tools and that they get, you know, it's, it becomes a norm for an individual who wants to get more information is just, okay, I've got my genetics, I've got my labs. And then there's these various companies that are using it on a deeper level for specific niches, um, for specific customers, right? They, you have to know yeah. your customer. Um, some people are going to be very conventional. Some people are going to want more alternative. Some people already have a direction of where they want to go and they want yep. a specific kind of help. And so I think that, that that's always going to be the case. Um, and, and, and so I, I think the, the industry is really going to blossom. Yeah, no. And I think that the whole initiative behind the democratization of access to healthcare is a big one. To your point, a lot of this is inaccessible to a lot of people and making it financially and intellectually accessible, I think is is a huge deal. So I have one more question for you. Are you in any way with your team even in the background, looking at genetic variants in any way that might impact people's, how people might have certain outcomes with certain conditions or diseases. Like for example, COVID-19 has been ravaging the planet for the last couple of years now. Some people seem to do just fine with it. Some people do badly. We know that a lot of the people who do badly are metabolically um, I don't want to use the word deranged, but dysregulated, let's say. So they've got, they've got metabolic challenges that put them at a much higher risk. But even within the seemingly healthy group of people, sometimes you, you hear about these people that, oh, so-and-so just you know, had a miserable time or died worse or ended up in the hospital. And they were, you know, fill in the blank. They were not that old. They were pretty healthy. They were seemingly fine. And so barring that that they may have had an underlying condition they didn't know about, which is always possible, there's also a possibility that there's certain genetic predispositions that would leave, and we know that there's already a couple, that lead to people having worse or better outcomes with some things like that. So are you guys, I mean, you're not going to run out with anything to the world right at this minute, but are you guys in the background looking at any of those kinds of things, or is that not on your radar just yet? It's, it's, it's something that could be done. There are studies that show people with genetic risk factors and, and we could use our models on that and we will. The only yeah. thing I would say is that there is a regulatory issue with that. Yeah. And that's why, you know, because the FDA is very, very highly concerned about something like that, uh, where if somebody, we say somebody's lower risk and then they say, okay, I'm not getting a vaccine. Right. You understand the FDA oh, yeah. is not going to like that, right? Well, and you're um, you're also exposing yourself, right? Because let's say they did get it and let's say they didn't have a good outcome. Like you're, correct, putting, your, you're putting yourself in a pretty well, and, and, icy position. And, and, and it, yeah, and it's a probabilistic model. You can't say anything 100% sure. So somebody could technically be lower risk based on the information that we have, the latest studies, yeah. but they could have some weird variant that, we don't know about up by study. We yeah. don't know about that 
actually, or there's a new Omicron variant and only this variant was tested, right? And the Omicron does something. Yeah, yeah. No, there's way too many moving parts, for sure. (laughs) Correct, correct. So, but what we want to do is make it available for, uh, you know, practitioners who are able to, you know, go through it with their patients and, and, you know, um, give them, you know, basically get, get an understanding of, of what's going on. Right. And their metabolic health and this and that, and, 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 you know, um, but I think from a regulatory perspective, doing it without a practitioner is, is not, uh, you know, is, is too high risk for us. Yeah, no, for sure. As soon as you get into the pharmacological aspect of genetics, which, you know, it, it still amazes me that there's a lot of really good information you can get from your genetics in terms of how you're going to respond to certain medications, even uh, things like anesthetic, right? And you would think at this stage of the game that when you're going in for surgery, they're going to run that data and they're going to say, oh, you're likely to need more anesthetic or less anesthetic, or you're going to be more sensitive to this drug or that drug. And it's still not happening, which I think is, I mean, it's, a, it's disappointing, because even as a, as a patient, if you came in with your report, I don't know that they would necessarily take it into account. Yeah, I mean, uh, so we're going to be introducing pharmacogenomics, a lot of uh, medical genetics into it. And, um, you know, a, a, but you, you would need a doctor's approval. Absolutely. We're going to build it in where you get a doctor's approval so that, you know, someone signs off on it. And then you could look at all these medical things that so we're going to do it for you know, much cheaper than, than what is currently out there. And uh, yeah, I think, but there's going to be that stuff that is going to need doctor's approval based on just regulatory guidelines. We have to operate within the legal framework, Uh, but the health stuff, right. Gut inflammation. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not like um, somebody's going to die if if they have, we we tell them they have higher or lower and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not like something that the FDA is going to uh, regulate very strongly. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that makes total sense. So Joe, is Mm -hmm. there anything we've forgotten here or anything else you'd like people to know? Uh, No, I just think that uh, I think uh, precision health is going to, I'm very optimistic about precision health and I think it's going to, uh, make its way into the, the, the mainstream. And, and I think yeah. every healthcare company in five years is going to be using precision health to one degree or another uh, in order to, to guide people on a, on a more specific journey. And, and I think everybody should be getting their genetics. If you don't trust 23andMe, if they can get it sequenced with us, um, I, I think it's, a, it's, it's a, for the money that, that, that you pay under $100, yeah. it's, it's a no-brainer to um, get your genetics genotyped or sequenced. And, um, and I think now you have all these companies doing COVID tests and once COVID disappears, or, you know, I mean, maybe it doesn't disappear, but once it, uh, you know, it's not, not the, the, the crisis is over. Every yeah. Crisis, <laughs> you know, not on the front line, you know, it's not the top story of every newspaper every day. Once that goes away, um, you're going to have all these companies that are not going to know what to do with their sequencers. That's <laughs> right. Gonna, the, the cost of sequencing is going to go down. Um, but it's really, at this point, it's not a, a, a money thing. It's, it's the software. It's the infrastructure, which is holding it back. And that's yeah. what we're solving on the market so that 
other companies could go deeper or, or that consumers can go directly with us if they want, right? We, we don't mind if they don't go with us. We actually just want people to get good information and uh, whether that's through a different company or, uh, you know, it's us, just make sure they're using the right approaches uh, and, and they have a, a legitimate platform. That sounds great. Actually, I have one last question for you because I know this is the question that people ask me all the time, and that is privacy. How do you guys ensure people's privacy of data when they submit their genetic samples to you? Because I think this is the thing that has people completely freaked out. Ever since it came out, the 23andMe was selling information, and even if it's randomized, like the whole nine yard, people like just get really... And, and legitimately so. Like this is your, This is as personal as it gets. So... You, yeah. So before we go, maybe just cover that one last point. I think it's a really good question. So I think you have to look at the the business model. There's two aspects to that. One is the business model of the company, which is if their business model is to sell mm-hmm. your data, then follow the money. I mean, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, that's just the, just know that that it's your information. Yeah, the other thing is the other thing is security. Um, Companies have to have the right security, the right personnel in order to make sure that the information is secure. So we do spend a fair bit of money on that. Um, and, you know, again, our, our business model, we don't care. A, a customer can tell us to delete their data. We'll delete it. Okay. And, um, uh, you know, and we, we, we spend a fair bit of money um, securing people's data and separa- separating it from identifiable data you, you know we have a, a, a privacy compliance officer that only you have to take uh there's like hipaa training we, our, our platform is is being uh, uh, is basically hipaa compliant uh, right i mean it's, it's it's a very long process and we we, we, pre- we did all the things that are, are needed right and so yeah um basically it's uh but it, it was a very long process and 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 you know, so to get access, I don't even have access to people's data in our, in our platform because I haven't done the privacy training and I don't have uh, any specific, like, re- reason to look at it. And so no, like, no, uh, nor I'm do you want it, right? Nor do I want it. <laughs> I want, exactly. want that. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, so I don't even have access to people's data. It, it's, uh, you know, you have to get certain training. Um, and there has to be a specific need and, um, you know, so we, we take a lot of care, uh, for people in, in, in the privacy realm and security. Awesome. Well, thanks, Joe. That was great. Um, so thank you so much. Um, why don't we tell people where they can find you? I know that we have a discount code for people if they want to do their self decode. I wish I could remember it right now. I think it might be longevity. I can let you know. Okay. Uh, you no. can look it up. Is it longevity? No. It's NAT10, N-A-T-10. NAT10. Okay, that's the other one I use. I split between the two. So NAT10 yeah. is your discount code, guys. But uh, Joe, why don't you tell us where people can find you, how they can get their self-decode and the whole nine yards. So they can go to selfdecode.com. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Mr. Biohacker. They can connect with me on LinkedIn uh, as well. Um, and yeah, there's a lot more information that, that people can learn on self-decode. Amazing. So wait, you're on Instagram as what? The Biohacker? Mr. Biohacker. Oh, Mr. Biohacker. That's a pretty good handle. You must have grabbed that early in the game. Very nice. (laughs) All right, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for your time today. It was great talking with you. Um, I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Yeah, my pleasure. I enjoyed it as well. All right. Bye-bye. 
Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.